Welcome to SkyCast episode 23, a podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I'm Brittany Perlman. And I'm Sarah McCabe. And today we'll be discussing season 5, episode 9, Six Semper Tyrannus. So, we're a little late. <laughs> Just a wee bit. <laughs> July turned into a crazy month, and to make things real short, I haven't we haven't been here no. in a very long time. So, But really you. It's really <laughs> my fault, guys. This is Brittany, and yeah. it's really, really my fault. So I'm very sorry that I am a busy, busy bee. Um, literally. Um, we warned them. We so. did. We did. Uh, what did you think about this episode? Oh. I had a lot of time to sit on it. I am really glad that – I mean, as much as I hate being late, I'm glad that I had the time – to really separate out my um, very immediate emotional reaction to this episode um, versus my more rational reaction once I was able to, like, you know, really sort through character motivations and figure out where everyone was coming from. Agreed. The first time we saw, we watched this, I was really upset, I think for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, but upon our second viewing, when we were recapping this show, I actually really liked this I episode. I did too. It's a really this, good episode. This was much better than I remembered it. Um, I was very, very pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. We actually had to call each other because we watched it, um, in separate places. Yeah, we did. And I was so stressed. I like could barely make it through the episode. The whole thing with the flame was just like, I couldn't do it. I, and I was like live texting her. <laughs> Two, it was a really stressful episode, but again, upon second viewing, I do, there were a lot of things I thought um, were really exemplary. Yeah. Um, And I, I liked it. I liked, I mean, there are a couple of things that like, you know, aren't ideal. Right. Not, not my not cup what of I would have chosen. Not, not my the direction cup of tea, I would have chosen. But, but. <laughs> I think as far as an episode goes structurally, I thought this was really well written and very well executed. Um, Had some great scenes. Great dialogue, too. Yeah. Um, so before we really get into it, I did want to call out, we got another great email at skycastcrew at gmail.com from our lovely friend Iman, all the way from France, who understandably had a lot of feelings <laughs> from some of the events that took place in this episode, as did we all. Um, and also some really great takeaways that went with it. Uh, we're going to integrate some of her insights, um, later on in this episode when we get to those relevant points, but I just want to give her a quick shout out at the beginning because... Her email that she sent us was fantastic, and I've read it a few times because it was was really good. Um, so yeah, we'll get to that a little later. Um, and also, I wanted to call out a new reviewer we received on iTunes from a person whose name is unpronounceable. <laughs> it's it, like a long string of letters. It literally <laughs> just says like Goo Goo Gaga. Um, so thank you, whoever you are, for your very, very kind words. We appreciate it always. And it's a great reminder to the rest of you uh, <laughs> to go onto iTunes right now and rate and review the show. It helps other fans of The 100 find us. So go do it. Takes two seconds. If we can pronounce your name, we will totally give you a shout out. Or if you would prefer to remain anonymous, do what this Google Gaga person did. That's fine, too. Either way. Either way. Please review. <laughs> Without further ado, let's jump into the recap. Let's I think you've delayed in. enough. Yes. <laughs> so Abby is treating one of Dio's men when Vincent gives the signal that McCreary is coming. They hide the machine, and when McCreary comes in, Abby pretends to be no closer to the cure. Dioza and McCreary square off, and it seems like McCreary, McCreary <laughs> might attack Dioza, but Vincent steps in, and McCreary and his man back down. Dioza notices that Abby is getting closer to Vincent and warns her that Vincent is still dangerous, even though he seems mild. 
So the first thing that I wanted to call out in this scene is that despite Abby's addiction and not really being on her best game, I did really appreciate seeing that she still has some fight left in her. You know, this was a great quip back to Dioza right off the bat. You know, she's not lying down. You know, she's fully aware of, of what she's going through, um, but she that doesn't mean that she's completely out of the game. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really nice to see that Abby still has a line she won't cross. Like, she's not going to hurt someone um, just because Dioza wants her to. Or at least she's saying she won't cross it. We yeah. don't know what would happen later on. But at least, you know, in her mind right now, there's still lengths that she won't go yet to get her pills. I agree. It was really nice to see that conviction in her again. Um, taking, you know, quite a detour, I just want to bring up my man Vincent. <laughs> My boy, I love him so much. <laughs> he was still super creeping me out. I mean, like, I appreciate what you're saying. I, <laughs> I do like that he is on Abby's side, um, but he is still really scary and creepy to me. He's supposed to be scary and creepy, but he's, like, scary and creepy, but like a pet. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. I get that. I do. I'm coming. I'm. I get like I said last time. I'm warming up to him. He's like a like a loyal dog that eats people. Yeah, <laughs> I, he's more like a tarantula. Tarantulas are very nice pets, but I mean like the creepiness factor. He's like a spider. He creeps me out. I so don't see a spider. I could see like a. I don't really have an animal. I didn't. I didn't prepare this. <laughs> yeah, I just. It's not a dog. <laughs> I mean, maybe a really creepy dog. I'm going to go with that because he's very loyal. <laughs> um, speaking of scary, you know who's not at all scary to me right now? Hmm. McCreary. I like, I cannot be scared of him. I don't find him at all intimidating. No, I just find him ridiculous. I mean, like, Dioza always seems two steps ahead of him and he just seems so useless yeah and annoying I don't think we're supposed to be scared of him per se I think we're supposed to be scared of what he is capable of creating yeah so like him alone is not scary but him with an army behind him is a daunting scenario I see what you mean but I just think that the way that the like crew and cast talked about McCreary going into this season they seem to think that we would find him scary and intimidating, and I just don't understand it. Yeah. He's well. like a rabid dog. <laughs> <laughs> Enough with the dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. I know. That's why I love Vincent. In the church, Echo is upset that Raven built the machine that will cure Dio's people. There's a war coming, but Raven passes up every opportunity they have to weaken the enemy. So I really liked seeing um, that the tension between Echo and Raven is carried over from the end of last episode because, you know, we did see um, Echo comforting her after Raven came back from being hurt by Abby. And I'm glad that they still they didn't like bury everything, push it under the rug and pretend they were fine because they still aren't fine. These two have such different ways of looking at situations. And I think they're having a hard time kind of reconciling those ideas. Right. And even with that disagreement they still love each other yeah, and they course. still support each other and I love I love that dynamic where sure you can disagree with someone but that doesn't mean you don't love them yeah um and it's nice to see that agreed 
Murphy reminds them that they're still on the same team, and the plan is to kill Zeke, take off the collars, and run. Raven doesn't want to kill Zeke. He's more valuable as a way to give them intel on Dio's and her people. What's weaker than an enemy at a war with themselves? At that, Murphy goes across the room and starts a fight between Dio's people and McCreary's people. Easy as that. This was such a great scene. <laughs> I, I really loved it. There were so many small details that made it great. Everything from Amori supporting Raven when Murphy questions whether, you know, this thing even works. And Amori was like, of course it does. She built it, <laughs> which is such a true thing, yeah. you know, but I loved having Amori back her up in that minute. Um, also seeing Murphy act as a mediator for this ragtag group was hilarious. Like when has he ever assumed yeah. a role as a mediator? <laughs> um, and just also just watching the group react to each other, you know, gave us a lot of insight into how they relate to each other and how they've evolved over the last six years. I thought this was a really well done scene. Um, and we got a lot of character insights and growth and it was a great character moment. Yeah, and I loved Amori's line, um, the he's being John Murphy, just because, number one, you know, this is this is Murphy as Murphy was meant to be, and Amori, I think, is so attracted to that and hates that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because she's afraid it's going to go away, but he really is, like, being the best him. He's yes. living his best life. <laughs> this is where he shines. Um, I will say it was a confusing editing choice to go from Raven telling Echo uh, to kill Zeke at the end of last episode to her not wanting to kill him now. Like, I, I get that the uh, conversation between her and Zeke at the end of last episode was supposed to be kind of a turning point, but I don't know. It just felt a little bit choppy to me. I agree. I thought it was choppy, and this is the second time that we've had sort of a choppiness or a disconnect between one scene, one Zaven scene and the other. There was that, you know, kind of confusing moment early on in the season where we couldn't tell whether or not she knew he was betraying her or not. Yeah. Um, and then it seemed like that was all fine. So I think that they've been taking some shortcuts, um, which I'm not mad about ultimately because I do want to see them get together. But I agree that this was clumsy. I mean... In reference to shortcuts they're taking with characters, I don't think I'm going to get into it this episode. Um, we have seen several episodes past this at this point, so there's more I want to talk about. But I'm just going to say right now, um, in the second half of the season, I'm kind of coming to terms with the fact that they're not exploring many of the characters as deeply as I want them to, um, which is getting a little irritating. But I'll get back to that later. Yeah. Uh, we also got a little bit of key information here that we pretty much already knew, but, you know, now it's nice to have it confirmed. Um, and that's that McCreary was really the leader uh, on the on the mission that they were on, or I guess the prison they were on. Um, and then Dioza, they only started following her because she was able to help them escape. Yeah. Um, and now they're just kind of trying to figure out where they stand because, you know, they've survived for now and uh, are, you know... Trying to decide who their real leader should be. Yes. And McCreary wants it to be him. <laughs> well, McCreary doesn't get everything he wants. I hope not. <laughs> Clark is chained up in the boiler room when Maddie is brought in with Bellamy. Clark thinks Maddie is here so she can say goodbye, but Maddie tells her that Octavia is sick and might not wake up. Indra ushers Maddie out before anyone can see her, promising Clark that Maddie will be safe. And so will she. I love that as soon as Maddie says Octavia is sick, Clark looks directly at Bellamy with a look that's like, what did you do? Like, she she already knows. Before. Not just that, but Bellamy, like, cannot look at her. Oh, no. He, I like, know. literally isn't looking at her this scene, at least in the beginning. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Ugh, it was it was bad. Um, <laughs> also, real quick, I just wanted to point out, you know, for someone who believed this was their like goodbye with their child, I I don't know. I would have expected a more emotional Clark at the beginning of the scene. She was like, Maddie, it's so nice to see you, and I I don't know if she was just like putting on a brave face, but I would have been like hysterical. I feel like, you know, all we've seen of Clark this season is that she's looking out for Maddie above all. So I think it's probably a brave face. And I think it's also just, I'm not sure Clark really believes she's going to die. Maybe. You know, she's I mean, gotten out of worse scrapes than this. So It's, it's a small nick to pick. I, I will let it go. But I just had to, I thought, I the second time I watched it too, I was like, this is weird acting choice. <laughs> um, like I mentioned though, Bellamy's face goes on a journey throughout this entire (laughs) scene here Um, and I love it and I loved like you know analyzing every minutia of his facial movements every small tiny gesture (laughs) this was a great scene to uh you know start out a not so great episode for Bellark yeah yeah Clark, knowing Octavia isn't just sick, asks Bellamy what he did, and Bellamy told her he poisoned her with algae. In her absence, Indra can accept Dios' terms for peace. He worries that Octavia won't wake up, but Clark reassures him that she will, and that he did what he had to do to save the valley and the people he loves. Bellamy promises her that after one crew surrenders, he'll free her, and they'll go back to Shallow Valley together. (laughs) Oh my god. There is so much subtext happening in this scene. I mean, the emphasis on the people we love suggests so much more than Bellamy's face care. I mean, she's also referring to herself. And as we learned from the last episode, you know, it's a rom- in a romantic way from Bellamy. And to put even finer a point on it, Bellamy then reassures her that they'll find a way to the valley together. I mean, there's so much Bellark happening in this little nut to crack wide open and yet they're talking around it. I was going to say, there's still like such a wall between it because Clark, I mean, we know that when she says, um, you know, Octavia was willing to kill people we love, that she's talking about... Including herself. No, she's not including herself. No, I'm herself. saying that statement includes her, but she doesn't mean it that way. Yes. She, yes. she is completely oblivious, which is interesting to me just because... You know, like she has to know Bellamy loves her in like a platonic way. You know what I mean? Right. But she doesn't even take the time to think like, oh, you know, my life was at stake. Maybe he did this to help me. On my behalf. That doesn't seem to cross our no. mind at all. No, no. <laughs> they, I think the two of them are, are so afraid of facing that reality that they just do everything they can to avoid it. Yeah. Um, but hopefully not for the whole season. God willing. <laughs> we got We got to break something here. Um, it is interesting to me that, that Clark is always the one who seems to reassure Bellamy about his sister. Um, I think we've gotten several different instances throughout the series of, you know, Bellamy being insecure about his relationship with Octavia and Clark kind of saying, like, you know, it'll be okay, like, you know, she'll come around, those kinds of things. Um, and yet, you know, here she's doing it again. She's the one to kind of um, boost him up and say, like, Octavia is not going to die. She will wake up. Right. Um, Even though Octavia is the one who has imprisoned her and threatened her life, Clark still makes a point of making sure Bellamy feels okay about his sister. And I think that more than anything else speaks to how much she cares about his feelings. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of want to, I, I don't want to parallel this to Echo specifically, but I did think I, I liked that um, when Clark wasn't with Bellamy 
we did see Echo being the one to be like, you know, your sister's going to be fine. Your sister's strong. I think Bellamy needs someone like that in his life. And that's, you know, one way that I think Echo has been really good for him is she's really supportive of how he feels, even if she, you know, doesn't particularly like the person herself. Right. And neither does Clark for that matter. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Well, really (laughs) no one likes Octavia because she's crazy. She's she's rough around the edges. Yeah. <laughs> Bellamy too. <laughs> oh, Bellamy, this don't even get me started. <laughs> um, Clark repeating the quote unquote together line though was totally unnecessary and very clearly only written in for the shippers. Like I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. But like that was a very shipper moment. It was. It was totally. And I think, you know, this scene felt too good to be true when we were watching it. And that's because it was. Yeah. Like, they totally <laughs> set us up. And they were like, this is Bellark after the last episode where they were like, he loves her. And then this together scene and like blah, 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 blah. And then the rest of the episode happened. And yeah. we had a very long way to fall. The hundredth, uh, it giveth and it taketh, it taketh away. away. And then it like slaps you in the face with what it took away. It literally slaps <laughs> you in the face. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was a setup. It was a setup. It was a trap. (laughs) I was, I was misled. Yes. We all were. In Octavia's room, Jackson and Nyla are trying to figure out why Octavia is sick. Bellamy comes in and Nyla interrogates him about the last moments he had with Octavia before she fell unconscious, but Bellamy plays ignorance. Indra puts forward the theory that the toxin from the worms might still be in Octavia's system, but if that's the case, then dialysis won't work and they'll need to prepare for possible succession. Okay. Okay. First and foremost. Yeah. What is Nyla doing here? Dude, I have no, there is no <laughs> purpose for her being here textually speaking other like if this were any other character we'd be like oh they're a couple yeah this is how a couple acts they don't leave each other's bedside you have given us no reason no context for what her function is she's apparently a a a person of interest well yeah her her function is being in love with octavia like being clearly in love with octavia it's i mean i wish they would just do it because this like random like do it do it Sure. I'm not sure what you mean by do it. I meant the writers just like giving us canon that they're together or they've been together or Nyla is in love with her or what something to that effect because this all just feels really random to me and I need some sort of basis for it. Yeah. I still can't get over the fact that Nyla compared Bloodraina to the sun. So, (laughs) and that was several episodes ago. Right. That was was a lot. Um, Also, I wanted to call out Bellamy is a terrible liar. Oh my God. He's so bad. I knew he was a bad liar. He's never been a good liar, but he was like, moi? Me? Poison? I ate the same rations. That couldn't have been it. Never. Like, he's such a bad liar. Oh my God. God. And also, why are Jackson and Miller still together? I mean, like, Jackson, I still really like, but Miller is the worst. And I have a disrespect for Jackson for staying with someone who is as awful as Miller. I just... <sighs> what happened to There's him? There's so much I want to talk about that hasn't happened yet, and I we're can't. I know, I, well, no, we're not. But I don't understand why Miller is as extreme as he is and the show is not giving us a reason and they're not giving us a reason to see that yeah we're seeing all of this and I don't think we're ever going to see how he got there right um and that's what's really frustrating and it's really hard to follow because you know his character right now is the absolute worst yeah but if I had some context about how he became the absolute worst maybe I'd feel a little bit better about it or at least understand it because right now this just is so infuriating without any context 
I mean, like, like Miller's always been the type to kind of get in line and follow. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's did it with Bellamy, and now he's doing it with Octavia. Um, but just, like, the way that he's thinking about war and, you know, I'm going to hold that off. We're going to get yeah, there in we'll a second. we'll get into it later. Yeah. But suffice it to say, Miller's awful and I hate him. Um, I will say at this point, I was a little confused about how much Indra knew. I'm assuming that she knew that Bellamy poisoned Octavia, yeah, she, right? Yeah, she knew the plan. Because, I, I don't know, just like her putting forth the idea of the toxins almost felt genuine. And I was like, she doesn't really believe that, right? No. And we know she's not that great of a liar. But maybe she's learning. Maybe, maybe. Bellamy was like, it wasn't me. And she's like, well, I have to do better than that. <laughs> All of one crew gathers in the arena, and Indra reveals that Octavia is sick and could be dying, and that Octavia's wish was for Indra to take her place as leader. Indra then tells them that she's going to surrender to Dioza to prevent any more unnecessary death. But then Asshat Miller stops her, saying that they will either march into battle with Bloodrena or they will march for her. But either way, they're going to war. Indra then tells Bellamy that she can't stop this war, but there's someone who can, a true Nightblood who could become a real commander. So I blame Miller for <laughs> everything that happens from this point onward in the episode. As I just said, he's a piece of shit and I hate him and he is dead to me. It's, I mean, so frustrating because you could have peace if you, if you just surrender. None of you have to die. But instead, they're marching off this, to this ridiculous war. This is an ideological, like, ridiculous plan. And I... I can't imagine why someone who isn't as crazy as Octavia would be like, yes, this, I, I, uh, you know, like, what do you owe her? Is it worth your life? I mean, I, I was going to talk about this later, but I'm just going to bring it up now. Um, later in the episode when Indra says, um, real warriors hate war. Yeah. It's very telling because, you know, Miller has never really been in a war. Like, not really. You know, we've had some, some skirmishes <laughs> between Sky Crew and the, the Grounders, yeah. but... But not like this. No. Um, and his like gung ho ness for the war, I think, it just just proves, goes to show how naive he is. Right. It just proves how how um, ignorant he is and I, inexperienced. I want him to get better, and I want to understand. But I honestly just think the show is going to skip over it. Yeah, I, I think they are too, which is a problem. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And I just want Indra to have nice things. Damn it! I know. And she would. She, I mean, like those. It's a Harry Potter quote all over again. Those who don't seek power are best suited for it. Indra would have been a great leader. She would be a great leader. She's wise. Um, she's a fighter, but she knows when not to fight. Exactly. Like, she's logical. She's not emotional. I just, she would have been so good at this. And Miller spoils everything. Yeah. Um, another another thing, Brell, this like lieutenant woman <laughs> person, is a really interesting human and yeah. she's been there the whole time we swear <laughs> i would have liked to have been introduced to her a little earlier and i would have liked to have breathed with this character a bit um she seems to have come out of nowhere really as a, an antagonist to miller um which i'm not opposed to or someone. really more so just you know a stand-in for a different type of one crew yes. person. Yes. I think she's supposed to show that one crew isn't as unified as the as Octavia would like to believe. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I like the idea of those politics. I like the idea of this woman sort of coming into her own. And I just kind of wish we had known. I mean, she, she would have been, it would have been nice to have another person like Cooper um, 
who would have been who who would have balanced out Cooper's personality a little bit on the other side of the spectrum. I actually think that Brel and Cooper would have been too similar to have at the same time. You know, they look kind of similar. They're both like a little bit um, antagonizing. Um, I, I, I think it would have been better maybe if we could have combined them in some sort of way. I don't know oh, how that maybe. would have happened, but I don't know. I, I, I would have liked to meet Brel earlier. Just kind of have her dropped in somewhere. Yeah, so we have like the a basis couple of episodes it. so it doesn't feel so contrived. Yeah. Uh, the second that Maddie was brought up, though, my stomach just drops. Like we've been, I think anticipating <laughs> that this might happen all season um you know Gaia keeps flinging around that flame uh but I I don't know if I really believed it would happen like really happen I thought they might get close but not actually do it yeah the I, show always does it <laughs> I know I don't why we have to learn this lesson I don't know every season is beyond me but every time they're like we're gonna do a thing I'm like nah they're not gonna do that thing and then they do the thing and they I'm like oh my thing. god they did the thing but then there's occasional times and they're like we're gonna do the thing and we're like okay we believe you this time and then they're like JK we're not gonna do they the thing they just really know how to keep us on our <laughs> they toes. really do um but yeah that was terrifying and from this point forward I was texting you every second of this episode yeah (laughs) all in caps I really I almost wanted to post our um texts on Twitter but there was so much profanity there was too much profanity I was like this this isn't right I was (laughs) dropping the f-bomb three times a minute no 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 that's why I wanted to post it there was like an entire like screen of my phone that was just full of f-bomb oh yeah it was like (laughs) f f f f f f just one after another (laughs) I was fine. I was cool. I was calm. Well, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I was not fine. Neither was I. (laughs) Clark is absolutely not down for Bellamy's plan to put the flame in Maddie. Maddie is a child. Even if some people in the bunker will follow her, most of them still believe in Blood Drain more. Bellamy promises to protect Maddie, saying that when Octavia wakes up, they'll already have peace in the valley. But Clark won't budge. And at that, Bellamy tells her that Echo, Raven, Murphy, and Amori are his family, and this is happening. With that, he leaves, Clark screaming after him. So, as mad as I am at Bellamy for even thinking of putting that flame in precious Maddie's head, I do feel really bad for him. I mean, I feel like he is so lost in denial at this point. I don't even think that he really believes what he's talking about you know, with Octavia being okay and she'll, like, let Maddie live after this. I really think he's just, like, completely lost in himself and is just grasping at straws, and that makes me feel sad for him. Yeah, I think this is a good place to discuss our thoughts on Bellamy and his choice this episode, Um, just because... Like I mentioned earlier, when I first watched it, I had a very emotional, negative reaction to everything that he did. Yes. But when I like took the time to think about it and really tried to take my my own emotions, my own right. sense of betrayal out of it. Objectively speaking. I mean, I, I'm always thinking on Clark's side because Clark is the character that I love the most and respect the most. Um, so it's like hard to separate myself from, you know, her, her viewing. She's also in defense of a child in this scene. It's yeah. very hard to take an opposite view harming a child. That's, like, that's not a natural state. But that said, now that I've like really thought about it, I'm going to, I'm going to lay out how, how I feel. Lay it on me. Um, I really do think that this was Bellamy's, only option that he could have ever thought of in such a short time period they were marching to war like in 24 hours like he had to stop it 
he has no power. Indra had no power. He had to do something to save his friends. Yeah. Um, and I also, I do believe that he thinks that he'll be able to protect Maddie. Oh, I, um, I think he does believe that. That's I why think I think his optimism this season has been absurd because like the old Bellamy wouldn't have been that naive. It's just, he, he would know. So this new Bellamy is not the strongest of the Bellamy's in my opinion. I know a lot of people disagree with me about that, but <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, I don't think that he is capable of reconciling the reality of, of what his sister has become to his detriment and to those around him. I mean, I think he's just consistently has so much faith in her unwarranted and unearned. Um, and everyone around him is constantly trying to get him to see the light and he just can't, not yet, but he will. Yeah, I really, I just think that this was the best Bellamy could do. And Clark is not thinking in her, you know, headspace, quote unquote, her headspace to help him out here and propose a better solution. So this is kind of what he's left with. I don't think he enjoys this. I don't know what I would do in his situation. I also feel like if, if this... If if you if they weren't fighting against each other, let's say they were on the same side, and this was Clark and oh, Bellamy against someone else, Clark would hella take some she random kids. She would one hundred percent take a preteen. You know, this isn't like a nine-year-old. Like, she's almost a teenager. Yeah, you know, sort of an adult, come becoming an adult. I think Clark would full on put that flame in her head. Oh, absolutely. If it, the only reason Clark is against this plan is because it's her own child. And I don't blame Clark no, in no. the slightest. I, I am also on Clark's side in this. But but if this were any other child, she would do it too. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention in the Comic-Con interviews this weekend, Bob said that he was the one who added that line about uh, Echo, Raven, Maureen, and Murphy being his family. Yeah. Um, that wasn't in the script, but they ended up adding it um, on his request. And then he was very, very dismayed. He was like, people took it a little too literally. <laughs> I, I took it literally. <laughs> well, I think that was, I think we all emotionally took it literally because the way he says it, and it, I think Clark too, like it feels like a slap it, in the I face. I was just going to say, it was like the first slap. But I don't, I truly believe that Bellamy wasn't thinking like, I'm telling Clark she's not my family. I think he's saying, I'm, you know, you're already safe. I'm already taking care of you, but my family is danger, like in danger right now. So yeah. I need to save them. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think you're wrong. But watching this, it's all, it's very hard to not take it personally. And, and like the look on Clark's face too, when he says it, it's she's, brutal. She's devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to Iman for bringing up a really great parallel in this scene. Um, it's a great po- callback to season three when Clark was chained up during Hockeldema, and then another one when Bellamy was chained up in season four after Clark stole the bunker. In both of those instances, they are chained up, tied up, and having it out with the other person. Um, and this is just a series of Bellark hurting each other yeah. and protecting each other at the same time. It's rough. <laughs> rough buddy it was, um, it was hard this this scene was heartbreaking and beautiful and tragic all at the same time yeah I mean it it was hard for me to watch mm-hmm. um and even though like I just said I understand why Bellamy did what he did and I don't think he's quote-unquote bad for doing he's not it a villain He's not a villain. I don't even know if he's making the wrong choice because I don't know what the right choice right. would be. I, I'm not sure what the alternative would be. That said, 
he has lost the rights to call Maddie his daughter. I was like really excited for like a Bellark baby. I think everyone was, but I'm taking it away. She can't be his daughter. Now Lexa's her mom and Clark's her mom. Maddie has two moms. <laughs> and um, a really, really cool aunt named Gaia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Murphy finds McCreary coughing and tells him to get on with the treatment. And McCreary realizes that Abby found a cure and Dioza is hiding it from him. Um, not much to say in this scene, really, but I am surprised that McCreary seems to be honoring his deal with Murphy because I really thought that, you know, once he got Murphy in a collar, he would throw him under the bus in some way. Um, but here he's really like, you know, if you're telling me the truth, get your friends and go. Like, I'll let you leave. Yeah. Um, so that was, I don't know, just interesting. I don't know if it was because Murphy told him about the cure here or if he really always no, I feel would like have. he was really planning on letting him go. I do think so, too. And I think that's an interesting facet of his personality you know I, I feel like we're inclined to paint him with a really broad brush but I do like that the show is giving him these like very subtle edges um unnecessarily but it is nice that he has like some dynam dynamism in him that's a word Di yeah dyna dynamism I'm having a really hard time I had two glasses of wine before I started this so I was at a work I was at a work meet uh Sure. Yeah. And so, sorry. <laughs> Where she was just chugging the bottle. <laughs> I only had two. Um, I, I kind of think it's interesting. I think that McCreary has developed a little bit of respect for Murphy um, in some sick way. I think with Murphy blowing up his friends, he's like, this dude's, you know, got it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he sees a lot of himself. In, in, yeah. You know, Murphy reminds him of a younger version of himself. It's not subtle. <laughs> no, no. You know. The Murphy from season one was... I mean, they almost even have the same haircut. They really do. Like it that, like, kind of like lanky. Yeah. Like, <laughs> longer in the front. Yeah. Yeah. Murphy heads back into the church and tells his friends that McCreary just found out Dioza is hiding in cure and they have to get out. Echo uh, leaves to inform Dioza that McCreary knows and plot out their escape. And once the fighting stops, Imori needs to start working on getting the collars off, including Zeke's. I love that Murphy has a quote-unquote bad poker face. And... It's a, it's just a great character <laughs> detail, and I love that Amori is the one, of course, to notice this and realizes that he has something that he wants to share with the class. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think he was trying to hide it too much. No, but he also, like, he's just not subtle. No, is the point. It was kind of like you know, I ate the canary kind of face. Right. <laughs> but I also like you know, like she's the one who's really looking at him. Oh yeah. <laughs> no one else is paying that close attention. Nope. <laughs> um, I just want to say here. Echo loves Raven so much. She really does. She keeps coming up with these plans of like, this is the smartest thing to do. And then Raven's like, but I like him. And she's like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a really cute smile. She's going against everything that like she thinks she should be doing yeah, for and Raven. Like been ingrained in and her. it's just, I love it so much. It's really sweet. It's really nice to see. Echo and Raven and that, that pair up has been a really nice surprise this season. I agree. And and Raven and Amori. I think all three girls actually have been it's the three of them have been the most fulfilling and satisfying yeah. to watch. Although I will say that I liked Raven and Amori last season, so I was kind of more I'd already kind of seen that. That's true. Um so I liked seeing this kind of like this new, new relationship. Yeah. Raven goes over to Zeke and tells him that they're escaping and they want him to come with them. Zeke doesn't want to go because he's worried the Allegius prisoners will never stop looking for him, which means that Raven will never be safe. After a bit of flirting, just Raven a just a teeny bit, Raven says that he either comes with them or they kill him. And at that, Zeke chooses the option that doesn't end with him dead. Oh, my Zeven <laughs> ship, it has failed. It is soaring. 
ah, I'm just going to ship her out for a second. I've just, I've never seen Raven smile this big in my life. Oh. And I, I love that she gives him that like little crooked smile at the beginning and then she just can't help herself. It blooms into this like full, huge face elation smile. And I love seeing her happy. I mean, it's been a long time coming. It's way overdue. I want her to be with someone who makes her feel like this. It was honestly the purest happiness I've seen on the show. Yeah, it was darling. Yeah. And I loved every I second loved of it. I loved it so much. So, you know what? <laughs> they can take some shortcuts. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Gaia's praying when Indra comes in, saying that she's here to answer her prayers. Gaia's skeptical about Indra's apparent new goal for peace, but Indra tells her that the real warriors hate war. Then she reveals that Maddie is a true nightblood, which Gaia already knows, but Gaia refuses to force the flame on Maddie. Maddie must choose for herself. So, given where we started with Gaia this season, I am pretty impressed with her sense of morality and her conviction to stick to it. I mean, there this is desperate times, man. And I, I really respect her stance here. I really, really liked her in this scene. Yeah, I apologize, Gaia, for everything bad or, like, you know, mean yeah. I said about you early all this those, season. All the things I suspected you of, I apologize. Yeah, because you're a One, very pure soul great. and I adore you. Yeah. And you have great hair. <laughs> Actually, you have great everything. I have, like, a huge girl crush on her. Yes. Absolutely. If that wasn't clear. Um, again, the real warriors hate war. Love that line. It's such a great line. Um, it also seems to be a lesson that Indra skipped while she was training Octavia. But uh... <laughs> she does say it later, like, you know, I betrayed Bloodrina, not Octavia. Yeah. I think she did try really hard to instill these lessons in Octavia and Bloodrina sort of just brushed aside the ones she didn't care for I agree but I think to some extent Octavia has been fighting a war her entire life like she can't not want to fight yes um and I know I don't know if it was in this episode or another episode that Indra has said to her before like I've taught you when to fight and when to stand down yeah um and maybe she has taught her that but i don't know how much octavia's really listened to it because right, but i think that the blame doesn't lie on indra for not conveying no, it. no no no. i was I joking think, yes i was yes. joking no i know you were i just want to <laughs> clarify to our listeners that it's not indra's fault that that octavia ignores this lesson Oct- it's re- octavia's responsibility i mean it's again she's really traumatized and has no therapist to teach her you know how to uh, handle her emotions so again she can't not fight yeah there's a lot of trauma to work through and she just doesn't process it at all um I did love getting more reminders about Gaia's and Indra's religious differences Mm -hmm. as well as the fact that I think Indra is more religious than she lets on um I think she's kind of let some of it go over the last six years but you know, right now it's starting to come rushing back to her. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I I do love the way this show deals with um, religion. We talk about this a lot, but I think looking at the two of them, I mean, they are both very religious people. I think Indra is more devoted to the idea of spiritual religion. She's a very spiritual woman. I think she believes in in the 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 entity of what this is. I just don't think she believes in all the dogma who like hoopla that surrounds it whereas Gaia is very devoted to the practices and the pillars of foundation and the dogma that goes with it and she really wants to uphold those traditions and really feels her responsibility to do that and those are two you know they're very different but they're also part of the same sort of 
um, belief system. Mm-hmm. So I do really appreciate that sort of difference and and nuance within these two characters, especially since they're related. Yeah, I mean, we know, like you said, Gaia has been devoted to like every aspect of the grounder religion that she's you know put her life. Um, toward doing. Um, Indra herself, not so much, at least not what we've seen, but she has been fiercely devoted to the commanders. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw that with Lexa. I think that's something that just kind of carries over for her. Um, And now that there's the possibility of this new Nightblood, I think it's kind of reawakened Indra's belief. I think, you know, we talked about how and Gaia has talked about how it's very uh, suspicious timing where they open the bunker and suddenly there's a true Nightblood out there. Right. Um, and I think Indra is kind of falling uh, into that as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I did love the line here that Indra says to Gaia, you are as responsible for what Octavia becomes as I am. Bladrena was a leader we needed then. We need a true commander now. Such a great line. It's a really great line. And I'm going to try to put this into words. I'm not really sure how to express it. I have this weird I'm like teeter-tottering between like hating Octavia and feeling bad for her um you know I think that Bledrena wasn't something that she became on her own everyone else kind of forced her to become this and now that she has become this she can't really turn back and they're kind of the ones who are abandoning her because they can because they didn't have to bear the burdens that she did. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a weird line to walk because I also think Octavia is so wrong and so much that she does this season. But I feel for her. I agree. I think that's what this show at its best is able to do is make you feel contradictory things for a singular character. I mean, people are complex. You are allowed to feel complicated things for a person and they are allowed to evoke complicated things from you yeah that's what being human is I think that kind of contradiction and paradox that is in Octavia is like the most human part of her and what makes her as a character feel so true and so real is that yeah she is absolutely insane and wrong like objectively speaking she's (laughs) wrong um, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel sorry for her because the way the how she got here were through circumstances out of her control. Yeah. Um, so two things can be true, as Absolutely. my parents' therapist used to say to them. That is, that is, there is there is no binary uh, answer here, but just a, a really great scene in general between Gaia and Indra. It was a wonderful scene. I wish there were more of them. I wish we could see more of them interacting as mother and daughter. I agree. Indra brings in Maddie with Bellamy. Maddie doesn't know why she's here, but when Gaia shows her the flame, Maddie freaks out. Gaia promises that she won't force the flame on her, but she believes they need a true commander right now to save them. Bellamy reveals to Maddie that Clark made a deal for peace, but with Octavia sick, one crew won't follow anyone else. Bellamy tells her that Clark doesn't approve, but he has no other option than this to save the Valley, his friends, and Clark. After a moment of hesitation, Maddie agrees to take the flame. Um, so before we get into the nitty gritty of this scene, I did want to mention Gaia's line about them needing the wisdom of the true commanders, because it's so fascinating to me that yes, this is a religion, but it's also something tangible because by taking the flame, Maddie is literally getting digital mental access to a council of seasoned warriors who have come before her. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, the gods, but they're like there and you can talk to them. <laughs> right. And when you, the, I mean, like the word faith literally means to go off of something to believe in something that is un that you can't see that you can't prove so what is what is a religion if it is proof if it is 
there is proof that it is evidential um how does that work i mean where where where's the line between a religion or um a scientific practice yeah. even i mean it's a really interesting line to walk that this show does and i think the the indoctrination of their religion and the sort of um ceremonial um aspects of it make it feel like more of a religion that we're familiar with but the actual bones the structure of what this is based off of is so much more evidential and scientific than what any religion we have in our current world is. I mean, that's a really interesting difference. Yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, basically a season three plot, but I still found it interesting how over the series, like Clark starts out first being like, your religion, you're, you, you know, elect people by resurrection and the dead commander chooses the new commander. Okay, whatever. Right. To like her actually being able to see, oh no, this is real. This is 100% like, Lex real. is in there. Becca Promheta is in there. Whoever knows. I don't know the rest of the, <laughs> the commanders, but they're all in there. Can you recite the lineage? <laughs> I can't because I'm not the true commander. You're not. You really aren't. Um, I did want to talk about this line, this is how we save the valley, our friends, Clark, that Bellamy said. You know, it is a callback to the last episode, how we get to peace. But here, when Bellamy employs it, um, this is the same philosophy, it really rings false for me. And I, I just don't believe this is his only option. I mean, we talked about this a little bit more, but this betrayal of Clark makes this it, icky in a way that wasn't the fact wasn't a wasn't an issue when Clark or Dioza were using this kind of justification and it doesn't sit right anymore I guess to kind of riff off what you said in my rational way of thinking I do believe this was Bellamy's only option yeah. but like let me clarify I don't think that head Bellamy you know Bellamy 2.0 is as good at solving a problem as head Clark was right um Bellamy chooses between two obvious options that are laid out whereas Clark was always the one to find a third solution right uh, that no one else thought of right that's um, why she's Clark that's why she's Clark uh, Bellamy just hasn't ever really had that same ability so I think this really is the best option that he can choose I do think had Clark been working at maximum capacity <laughs> uh, she might have been able to come up with a better idea um but she was not. So <laughs> this is where we've landed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to agree with that. And I think that's part of what makes this feel wrong to me. And I don't I don't love it. Um, well, I mean, again, that's why like he, when, when Bellamy was the heart and Clark was the head, they had flaws, but they worked so well together. But with Bellamy as the head and Clark as the heart, they are both hot messes oh and God. keep clashing and like can't figure out, you know, where each other stands They're in ruins. And I don't think it's just because, um, you know, they're they're trying to relearn each other. But I also just think these, I, don't, I think these are the people they're not really supposed to be. No. I, I really need them to come back at least toward the middle. Or at least find an equilibrium. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, balance out a little because this is, this can't keep going like this. <laughs> to get back to this scene um, again, I did like, I really liked the first argument Maddie laid out to Bellamy is the fact that Clark won't forgive him for this. Like, Maddie is aware, probably even more than Clark is at this point, how much Clark loves Bellamy and what this betrayal will, betrayal will do to her emotionally. Mm -hmm. And that is Maddie's first concern I it still makes me wonder like what has Clark told her I know <laughs> I know I'm like what do you know child but also I just feel like when you're that close to someone and you love them you intuit so much more than what they're willing to share with you yeah um because again I don't think Clark is 
is really aware of, of how badly she relies on him as an emotional fixture in her mind mm-hmm. in a way that I think Maddie is able to, if maybe not convey it or really um, verbalize it, but I think internally understands how much Bellamy means to her and what this kind of betrayal will do to her. It will wreck her. Yeah, I mean, I think sh- he means even more to her kind of now than he meant to her when he left her yeah. just because she's you know relied almost solely on him and like the uh, the idea of him yeah, she's mythologized to him. survive totally. and and for him to break her trust in this way I think just I think it I think it breaks, it breaks her. her it breaks her as we see later yeah um I do know that a lot of people feel that Bellamy is manipulating Maddie in this scene but I I genuinely I don't see it that way. Um, I think he makes it clear that Clark is aware of this plan and disagrees and does not approve of it. I mean, he could have lied. He could have told Maddie, no, Clark's fine with it or whatever. But he chooses to tell her the truth and let her make up her own mind knowing the way that Clark feels about it. And I think that was an honest way of doing it. Um, So while I don't think this is a particularly 100% reasonable Bellamy, I don't think that he is trying to manipulate her. Yeah, I mean, I... So Maddie is a 12-year-old girl, and I don't think that 12-year-old girls can, you know, make these sort of life-changing decisions um, like, you know, an adult could. Right. um, With all of the facts and and really knowing how that's going to affect your life because you only lived 12 years. That said, Maddie is a 12-year-old girl in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and I think that children then, you just have to grow up faster. It's not, you know, it's not our world. They don't get coddled in the same way. Right. Um, you either grow up or you die. Like, it, you you have to kind of make these choices even though you shouldn't have to. Right, and we've seen Maddie has a serious, seriously uh, groomed survival skills. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we first saw her, she was right. going to take Clark out. And also, I think Clark has done a really good job of instilling a, a healthy sense of fear, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the flames. So we know that Maddie has the context for what this means, even if she can't fully understand this, the scale of it. She knows. I mean, I also do wonder what Clark has told her about the flame, um, because I think we mentioned in an earlier episode when Gaia showed her the flame that we thought Maddie would be more like viscerally scared, um, and she wasn't. And yet in this scene, she was. And I really liked seeing that. But it also just kind of brings up questions about like, how does she view the flame at this point? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, But I will say in this scene, the one place that Bellamy does seem to be manipulating her is when he says that Octavia is too sick to take Dioza's deal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just very weird to me when he's so truthful for the rest of the scene. And I don't really understand why he feels the need to lie about this. I agree. I have no idea why he lied about that. I feel like if he laid out the fact that, like, I had to do this and poison my sister so that she wouldn't kill Clark. These are the the sacrifices I have had to make. You're not the only one who has to sacrifice something here. Yeah. I think that would have made his argument even stronger. It, yeah. It was just, it was a weird choice for the writers. It was a weird choice for Bellamy. I don't know why. I don't either. That needed to be hidden, but I'll move oh, on. Well. <laughs> Indra goes to see Octavia and Jackson reveals that she's waking up. The first thing Octavia tells Indra is that Bellamy poisoned her. Jackson wants them to arrest Bellamy, but Indra takes out Jackson and the other guard, showing Octavia that she is on Bellamy's side. So, watching the look of betrayal flash across Octavia's face um, as she realizes that Indra has betrayed her, um, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. I really have to give Marie Avgerbach... How do you say her last name? I have no idea. Marie <laughs> Never tried. A. Um, <laughs> watching her face, she's just an incredible actress. Sometimes I forget because they give her these like really kind of like 
you know, extreme personalities. Mm -hmm. But she she is really skilled. She's an amazing. She's, this season, she's been she is so good. So good. And I, I really, these kinds of scenes where her physicality is not a factor and you, she is allowed to express and emote only through her facial expressions mm -hmm. was really amazing to watch. Um, And I feel like since Indra was the, I think Indra was the only person that Octavia really trusted to never hurt her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this was the last straw, realizing that Indra has betrayed her and and taken her out physically. I mean, she almost died. Well, what I actually think is it was Indra and Bellamy were the two people she thought would never right. hurt her. She's already Indra's been betrayed by Bellamy. And then to have Indra betray right. her in the in the same way is it's devastating. The last, it's the last straw. Yeah. And after this, she, the Octavia we knew is gone. She, I mean, she's vicious. Yeah. I mean, she has she got poisoned. I, I can't blame her. <laughs> they did poison her. You had it coming, honey. <laughs> Echo tells Dioza that McCreary knows about the cure. Dioza orders her people to pack up, while back at the church, Amori and Raven start mo removing everyone's collars. Echo asks what's happening, and Dioza says they need to get to a safe place. A safe space. First, they'll get Abby, then they'll get Zeke. Echo takes note of this, as she and her friends won't be able to escape if Dioza's people start gathering everyone at the church. Um, so Dioza was ready to roll. She, like, before, like, Echo even finished, she's like, I got this. Let's move. <laughs> I, honestly, I could watch Dioza take charge and take action all day. Like, this is my favorite thing. Like, she was like, code blue, guns hot. And I was like, oh, my God, are we in a Mission Impossible movie? Like, I love this. <laughs> um, I also really, really love the Dioza-Echo pairing this season. It actually might be one of my favorite new pairings. I talked about Echo and Raven, but Echo and Dioza, they play off each other so well. Yes. And they are both so similar um but like on dis different spectrums of the same kind of person you know what I mean yes yeah well I think it's that they're both so intelligent um but and they intense yes but I think they have very different approaches to um strategy yeah um and how to communicate strategy whereas I think Dioza is a little more direct a little more militaristic and Echo is very much a spy, spy. yeah um and I I mean, I think the common theme here is Echo because she's amazing and a badass. And oh my I love God. Her. I see you're getting so much hate online and it's driving me crazy because I am living for Echo I know. this season. I, like, it's the Echo show. This she's is everything so I ever wanted. Great. And, like, I think people would love her if she weren't dating Bellamy. Well, that's, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. is it's a disservice to her character because the hate that comes along with being paired up with Bellamy, who is not a clerk, is so unfair. Um,. When she is a standalone character is fantastic. And just Tazia Telly's plays her so well. She's just so stoic, but she emotes so much. She does. <laughs> I mean, like you feel her feelings. Yeah. Uh, McCreary starts riling the crowd, telling them that Dioza is hiding the cure from them, which Dioza denies. She then goes on to diffuse the tension by telling them the truth, or at least most of it. Echo is impressed, despite her annoyance, but Murphy is just annoyed. He throws a rock and hits someone in the crowd, which ultimately starts a riot. So this is Murphy's shining moment, or as he puts it, his masterpiece. His magnum opus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this entire episode is just peak Murphy, and I am living for him, relishing in his own abilities. It's good to see him feeling good again and feeling useful. I loved every second of Murphy in this episode, and I am more than ever attracted to him. And it's amazing. He just, 
I mean, I am so attracted to him in this episode. It's ridiculous. It's obscene. <laughs> and I really give Amori a lot of credit for, like, not jumping his bones. <laughs> that's a lot of self-restraint. <laughs> she already did, you know. <laughs> she said no the second time. Yes, she did say no the second time. She had a moment of weakness, but she recovered. But, I, I mean, like, I do feel like now that Murphy's kind of back in the action and not trapped in a small space, this is kind of how he's going to continue well, from see, now on. Let's see what happens when the dust settles. I know, but I... I mean, the dust never really Whatever settles. happens when the dust settles, you know, happens. But if I were a writer, the way that I would write him, it, it really does seem like when he's on the ground, he's pretty okay. I think it was when he couldn't do anything and he, like, couldn't go anywhere and he felt trapped that was starting to really wear on him. But yeah. I'm not the writers, and they sometimes make choices I don't agree with. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yep. Um, Dioza. Oh shit. She has such a way with crowds, and this is one difference I think between her and Clark. Um, Clark was never really charismatic in this way. Like she would make speeches, um, but people would listen to her because she was right, not yeah. because she was charismatic. Right. But Dioza, you're like, I want to follow you. She's right. like got that char- or charisma that Bellamy has. Yeah, I was gonna say it's very Bellamy like. Yeah. Um, where even if she's lying to them. <laughs> she still gets them on her side. Yeah. Uh, which is a really special skill that Clark doesn't have. <laughs> and I also love that Echo can recognize this charisma in an, in an adversary. You know, it's it's a generosity of spirit that some people, um, <clears throat> Murphy, they do not have. <laughs> and I, I really just like that Echo it has the ability to really, like, appreciate this in another person, even yeah. if she doesn't agree with them. Yeah. Murphy and Echo head back to the church to gather people for escape, but Kane heads them off, saying they need to go to the ship with Dioza. Echo is not at all concerned with Dioza, but then Kane reveals that Bellamy and Clark have negotiated a surrender, and if Dioza dies, peace dies with her. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, Murphy's just full of amazing moments in this episode. I was laughing out loud at this, oh. and I think it's so important to incorporate humor in these like really hard, emotionally compromising episodes you know we need that balance and murphy is the balance murphy i mean murphy really is the balance for every other character like is anyone else funny echo told a few jokes this season that was fun yeah that was fun but uh bellamy had like a joke bellamy had a joke yeah Yeah. that was like his first one ever but he cracked a joke (laughs) i thought i was gonna have a heart attack (laughs) but murphy really is the only one to truly bring the humor um yeah and that's why he needs to be on the show forever forever which, again, I cannot believe where we started with him. I know. That this is, I, it's just mind-boggling to me. I mean, they also, um, the reason I'm saying this is because they released the, they they apparently seem to release the actors that would be series regulars in season six, and Richard Harmon was not on that list. Um, and I don't know whether to believe that list yet, because it just seems crazy to me that they would kill Murphy or, you know... Le- I, I like leave him off the show in some way just because he's so fabulous. Um, the only reason I could think of would be if Richard if wanted, wanted to, leave, to leave, which I don't know. Maybe he did, yeah, but let's let's not start it. Let's not not panic st- yet. Right. Let's, <laughs> there's let's let's wait till there's like an actual fire. Okay. Um, I did want to say that I am really glad that Kane finally brought this to the space crew's attention because having them work against their own self-interest was really annoying to me and I'm glad it's resolved and like we're not doing that anymore I was done with that I mean it was annoying but like maybe if Kane actually told them what was going on they wouldn't have done this like what the hell are you doing Kane he, he's a hot mess right Kane now Kane is just I'm not gonna get into that <laughs> let's move on 
Zeke wants to go with Kane to save Abby, but Echo doesn't believe that Octavia would really surrender and thus doesn't believe the opportunity for peace is real. Echo and Zeke almost get into a fight, but Raven pulls him away. Instead, Murphy decides to go save Abby. <laughs> so poor Echo. I know we keep gushing about her, but she's trying so hard to do what Raven wants. But people just keep, you know, getting in her way and pushing her buttons. <laughs> she's like, just listen to me or die. <laughs> yeah, she's not used to having to have total control over your button. I don't think she's used to having to balance like all of these sort of conflicting um, personalities of people she loves and people yeah. she cares about in a non-hierarchical uh, way and you know she's losing her patience a little bit I mean she so firmly believes that like they should really kill Zeke like that's for the best but like she can't so she's just she's like, <laughs> so she's like please just let me kill him but I can't because Raven really likes him and I'm dying <laughs> Oh, man. Poor Echo. <laughs> also, though, Murphy's love for Abby was super endearing to oh me. Oh, my God. It was so, so cute. I was trying to remember because I, I feel like Murphy and Abby have kind of had a subtle but long-going love affair in this show. It's really been um, since season two. The first one I remember, like, I know there was more before it, but I remember last season specifically with the, the medicine mm -hmm. um, when he stole from her. Mm -hmm. Um but I, what else happened, like, earlier on? I can't there remember. There was something in season two. I remember this happening in season two, and I don't remember what it was. But I remember. I know it was there. I know it was there. <laughs> and it's been a, a really long time, their progression. And I just get so excited when Murphy respects somebody and cares about somebody because, like, he doesn't for a lot of people. It's so true. The circle is very small. <laughs> Dioza goes to rescue Abby in the clinic, but McCreary comes in before they can leave. Dioza tells Abby to run and then proceeds to beat the shit out of McCreary's <laughs> men, even after taking a bullet herself. She's almost taken all of them down when McCreary gets her in a chokehold. He almost suffocates her, but she distracts him with the reveal that she's pregnant with his child dun, and, then, dun, dun. and then stabs him in the neck. <laughs> Finally, Kane and Murphy save her, but at this point, McCreary's men have taken Abby. Uh, my queen. Yes. <laughs> Dioza is the definition of big dick energy. <laughs> she is. <laughs> She's just, she is more badass pregnant and shot than like five other men combined. Yeah, she's the Serena Williams of the hundred. Oh like, my gosh. She's a badass. There's nothing else to say. And I, I actually really liked the juxtaposition of this scene. And the first scene that we got in this episode, the one um, with Abby, because Abby was so confrontational with Dioza in the beginning of this episode. Um, but in this scene, you know, without hesitating for a moment, she just moves right in front of Dioza um, to protect her and the baby. And I really liked that mini arc between the two of them. Yeah. That they are not on the same side, but they're also not completely against each other either. And I like seeing Abby's protectiveness and her doctor instincts kick in and also just her humanity. Yeah. Um, and I liked seeing Dioza beat the shit out of McCree's <laughs> Well, that was fantastic. Yes. I'm I, all for I'm here for that. I have decided to myself that Dioza can't die. And I'll tell you why, at least not this season because she's only like five months pregnant. Yeah. And I am, like, 100% certain they won't kill her off before she has the baby. Yeah, they're not going to do that. So this season is not going to take another, you know, no. three months to, to end. So <laughs> she's going to live throughout the season. I don't know if she's going to be in next season, but she will at least live 
which is great because I have an unhealthy obsession level with her at this point. Yeah, she's so, so awesome. I would watch Dio as a spinoff. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. We've talked about this before. Have we? Yeah. Have this, we talked about it on, on the show? show? Well, I want to repropose it because yeah. I think it's a great Let's idea. Let's that to Jason yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Um, I also know it was meant as a distraction here, but do we think that McCreary actually cares about Dioza carrying his child? Yes, I do. I do think he cares about this kid. I think he wants it. Weirdly, I have to agree with you. Um, in some weird way, I think he wants to like raise a little McCreary, you know? Yeah, I I think he is an... I mean, I think the driving force of McQuarrie, McQuarrie, I did it it too. McQuarrie is his ego. And I think to an egomaniac, the idea of like procreating, procreation and like carrying on your legacy Mm -hmm. and then like making a mini version of yourself is like the ultimate act of, of self validation. Yeah. Of of immortality. Right. And I, I think that is maybe not in so many words, but somehow applies to McQuarrie. Yeah. I totally agree. Octavia asks why Indra betrayed her, and Indra tells her that they need to surrender to Dioza so they can share the valley. Octavia calls her a coward and says she's ashamed of her, but Indra is afraid of Octavia. Indra blames herself for what Octavia has become. Indra shouldn't have let her shoulder the burden of the Dark Year alone, and she won't make the same mistake now. As the ascension horn blows, Octavia realizes that they're putting the flame in Maddie, who can then lead one crew to the valley and surrender. Oh my god, this was such a good scene. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this scene. Um, I've been waiting for like a Hockeldama moment between Indra and Octavia, and this was so cathartic. I feel like this is exactly what I wanted the conversation to be. I, I really needed somebody, and I think this is the first time that anyone has probably said to Octavia that they're afraid of her for herself and not just for their own sake. And that that realization... I think has more power than anything else really to get through to her. Not that I think she's gotten through to Octavia, but if Mm -hmm. anything could, that would have. I love this scene. Yeah. This scene was honestly amazing. And it was really, I I guess this scene and this whole season is great because of Indra. I think like every time Indra's in a scene with anybody, it's been amazing. MVP. Like I've loved her in previous seasons, but really this season she is shining. She is a star. Yeah. MVP. Um, did we know that Lexa was as young as Maddie when she took the flame? I think I did. I think I knew that Lexa was that young. I feel like they've said it before. It's not like shocking to me, but I also don't really remember that. I think <laughs> I, I've only seen season three once, so I've we blocked a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Season three um, but that's just an interesting like little note there that, you know, Lexa became as great as she did. Um starting out as young as Maddie was. Yeah, and I'm really glad that they brought up Lexa in this scene. I mean, I know there are reasons for that that happened later on in this episode, but I just like when the writers bring in continuity like this. It feels it feels like they're paying tribute to their past, um, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I've weirdly been just, like, really missing Lexa lately. Um, mm. I don't know if it's because, like, Octavia's doing God knows what with that the people. Um, and, like, I do believe that you know, uh, Lexa would have done better, but <laughs> I just, I, she was just great. She was great. It's sad that she's gone. <laughs> um, I also think that the closest people to Octavia, 
They keep expecting her to be less far gone than she really is. And for Bellamy, I can understand because he's really just coming in to see her now. But Mm -hmm. Indra has been with her for six years and she keeps thinking that like a few words of wisdom is going to like snap Octavia out of it. But she is so far gone like she doesn't know how to find her way back to that person right but I think you know it's those who are closest to us that have the hardest time accepting our flaws yeah and I think that is exceptionally true for Bellamy and Indra who love Octavia the most I mean I really never thought Indra would ever say the words I love you and now she's said it like three times and I'm just (laughs) like oh my god like you're gushing like hold yourself together man (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a lot of emotion it's a lot of emotion from Indra and I you know I think that's what's happening here is I think Indra is sort of like at her breaking point as Mm -hmm. well and she doesn't know what to do and there's nothing for her to do so this is this these are the only things she knows how to to do and even though they're not working she's at a loss yeah um we again get mention of the dark year um and that Octavia had to do something really bad that the people, the adults around her kind of stood back and watched and let her do alone. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to really get into that because we've actually seen the Dark Year episode at this point, so we kind of know. But I did want to mention just, you know, for people who haven't watched it yet, if you're listening to this podcast, um, very, very excited to find out what the Dark Year is. Um, and also, like, this is a tease that they've been stringing along all season. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not a subtle tease, you know. No. They are really hammering this in. I will say my favorite theory about what the Dark Year is, and I've said it before, it was that something went wrong with the lighting and they were all plunged into darkness and chaos ensued and then cannibalism ensued. That was, that's my, that's my theory and I will stick to it no matter what (laughs) the show says because it would be so much better if it were called the Dark Year for a reason, not just like, ooh, the Dark Year. (laughs) Uh, Nyla comes in to Clark's cell angry. Clark swore to her that Maggie would never ascend. Clark tells her that she isn't behind this, that Indra and Bellamy poisoned Octavia and now want to replace her. Nyla moves to leave, but Clark says they both want to stop the ascension. And at that, Nyla flees Clark. (laughs) Freeze Clark. She frees her. (laughs) Freeze her and then flees her. (laughs) Um, So again, we get more of Nyla's like very intense devotion to Octavia with absolutely no basis. Like it's not Miller coming in here. It's not, I, I don't even know. I guess no one else really knows that Maddie's a true nightblood, but it just feels very telling that Nyla's the one who kind of accosts Clark in this way when Octavia is being threatened. Right. And it's, there's no, like, it's not like Nyla has a position of power. She's not like her second in command. She's not in charge of the armies. Like, there's no reason for her to take it upon herself to just go of her own free will to check this out. I mean, like there again, must be some motivating factor, and what is it? This is, like, more than friendship and more than, like, um, feeling grateful that Octavia saved her. This is... No, she's... This is love. And she, whether... I mean, I truly believe it's romantic love. Um, I don't know if the show will go there. I it, would feel very irritated if this wasn't romantic love. I agree. It's, it's, I, I mean, like, I, it's romantic love, it's textually. Romant- if, it's, if it's not confirmed, that's queer baiting. Yeah. So I've got to agree with you. I don't like it if it isn't. Uh, I don't approve if they don't do it that way. Um, wait, it's another slight thing about Nyla, though. Was she religious before? Do we know? I don't know. 
I don't I don't I don't think we saw her ever being religious, but I don't think we saw anything to counter it either. She just seems like such a um I guess I use the word spiritual person because she has always seemed so wise and so calm yeah, and at and peace, like at but peace. I guess I've never really seen her religious in that way. So I was just kind of wondering, you know, where she fell um on that line 6 years ago and whether there's any sort of feeling in her now the true commander has returned you know what I mean or yeah the, the, the quote-unquote true, true commander, commander. Um, yeah, yeah I don't know it doesn't seem like she's bothered no, by I that. mean well she's <laughs> too much in love with Octavia to care so. um I did really like this little double betrayal that Nyla pulls off here you know where we think at first she was just using Clark for information and then she's like guards but then she attacks the guards and then we finally realize her plan all along it was very smooth yeah Nyla's, I really liked it Nyla's always smooth yeah she was it was cool yeah Nyla shows Clark where Maddie is, but the faithful are crowding the entrance and Clark can't get in, so she gives Nyla the slip. Clark bursts into Octavia's room and aims a gun at her. Octavia is surprised, as the Clark she knew would have understood that killing Octavia would be a lose-lose. Octavia's people would then kill Clark, and Maddie's would still ascend. Octavia then reminds her that the only person who wants Maddie to be commander less than Clark is Octavia herself. Um, so yeah, again, this is really just Octavia pointing out that, like, Clark, you are not operating at maximum level right now. Like, Clark cannot form a plan to save her life, it seems. Yeah, no. I mean, like, you know it's bad when Octavia is po- poking holes in her <laughs> like, Come on, Clark. Yeah, Clark used to function at, like, a 9.5, and Octavia was, like, a, a two. 3. Like, 2 or 3. No, she was, like, a 2. I She's think like Octavia has leveled up a, a few levels. To five. Let's say a 5. Yeah. And Clark, Clark has leveled dropped. down. <laughs> Clark is now at like a three. Like I love you, Clark, but you're you're a hot mess. Yeah, no, I mean, but she's she's desperate. Yeah, I get. I mean, I get it, but I I would like it to resolve itself. Resolve itself. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Gaia performs the ascension and puts the flame in Maddie, who immediately falls unconscious, much to Bellamy's worry. Suddenly, Octavia's people burst into the room and surround Gaia and Bellamy. Clark comes in, slaps Bellamy, and rushes to Maddie's side, but she can't take out the flame when it's in the process of bonding with Maddie's mind. Gaia tells Octavia that if she kills Maddie, she'll just make her a martyr. So Octavia tells Clark and Maddie to leave, and then she has her people arrest Bellamy and Gaia as traitors. So another really hard scene to watch. Yeah. Um, Brutal. Personally, I'm not liking the slap i don't think that clark is a violent person in that way she's not a slapper um it didn't really feel quite right but again i don't think clark is operating as peak clark so um but again i i saw a lot a lot on line about this being relationship abuse and I honestly just don't see it that way. I see it as a mother lashing out against someone who's hurt her child. I don't think she was thinking about Bellamy as much at all. It was just like, you are someone who got in the way of my child and put her in danger, and I'm yeah. going to attack you. I don't see Bellamy as the victim in this scenario. Yeah. You know, a, um, a victim of abuse is a victim, and that's just not the situation here. But I still don't condone violence, and I didn't really like this. I feel like... I feel like it was a little out of character for her. And I, I think that like it would be better for Clark to have just like given him like a cold Shoved stare him. and some like really harsh words. Yeah. Um, that that would be more Clark than this was. Yeah. This felt out of character for me too. Um, and seeing how far these two have come and fallen 
was incredibly difficult to consume. Um, and again, I am grateful for the distance that we've had time-wise from this the first time we saw this episode. Yeah. It was really hard to watch. It was really hard. Um, but I do think that while this was one of the hardest scenes to endure, it did serve a purpose narratively. Um, and I do want to quote a little bit from Amon again here because she had a really great insight from this scene. Um, and I'm just going to read what she wrote because it's wonderful. And she says... It reminds me a lot of a singular aspect in literature, especially in plays. Five acts are usually written. The fifth, which usually is the last, covers the rebuilding, the rise of a relationship after an emotional injury of the third act. Right now, we reach the climax. Pure hate, a slap in this context. What will happen next? A finally real exchange between these two, fed by guilt, love, sadness, and regret. And so I do, I have to agree with her that I think as far as we're looking at their larger arc, um, this is the the climax point. This is the low point and our resolution is coming. Yeah, it's the turning moment. Literally, that's what Bob Morley said um, in one of the interviews at San Diego Comic-Con that this moment for Bellamy was like a real turning moment for his character this season. I don't know yet what that's really going to mean. Right. We don't know what the resolution is going to look like, but we, we know from a structural point of view that it's coming. Um, so this isn't the end of the road. This isn't the ending of anything. This was just another step in the long journey that is Bellark. And it was a particularly challenging step. <laughs> I twisted my ankle. But, but I, I agree. I really did love what, what Amon said here. Um, and like I love when people are able to kind of bring in those kind of literature concepts and put it into TV shows because yes. that's something that I've just never cared about. So I love when someone else can well, like bring that. I, I know love. that's a you yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, but I was too close to this. I couldn't even think about this rationally. So I was really grateful that Amon was able to like give us this piece of, of literary analysis because I was like, I hate everything. <laughs> I do a podcast and I don't know how to talk about it. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing our work for us. <laughs> Uh, just one more note. Guy is the one who truly saves Maddie in this scene, not Clark. Because if Gaia hadn't been like, you'll make her a martyr if you kill her, it's likely that Octavia would have oh, killed yeah. her. Or like, taken had her, her taken hostage or something. Um, so, you, Gaia, you're the winner. <laughs> Gaia is my lady. Yep. I love her. McCreary's people have taken the village. They gather in front of the church, and McCreary lays out his plan. First, Abby will cure them, then they'll find Zeke and kill the rest of Dioz's people, and finally they'll exterminate one crew. When McCreary notes that one of Dioz's people is still in the village, he puts an axe in his chest. Abby wants to fight them, but Vincent motions her not to. What a bunch of heathens. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, these guys are just so bad, it's almost comical. They're ridiculous. They're bad guys. They're like Austin Power villains. <laughs> He's like, what's that thing in your chest? Oh, it's better. Not that. <laughs> Boom. Like, it was so ridiculous. It was so overplayed. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was it was a really, like, Murphy kind of. It was, like, it was funny. It yeah, was, but like, Murphy would have been funnier about I, I, I Oh, was, yeah. No, I don't think McCreary has a grasp of humor um, <laughs> the way that Murphy does. But it did feel like it was something that would have come out of Murphy's mouth. Yeah. It just would have sounded better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also at this point, it is very clear that Vincent likes Abby. Um, but this episode does seem to point toward Vincent's darker side coming out soon. As we know, we saw, um, Dioza warn Abby about him earlier this episode. Mm -hmm. So it's clearly coming to a head. I don't think it would be toward Abby because she's, you know, 
his like alpha <laughs> yeah no I I don't think the violence is gonna be on Abby I think it's someone else is gonna be the victim but it's gonna be good and I'm ready <laughs> very very excited Clark leads the way to the rover while a one crew soldier carries Maddie. Once Maddie is in the rover, though, the soldier cocks his gun. Clark pleads for him not to kill them, but he says this is Bloodrena's orders. Suddenly, though, Maddie speaks. She knows his name and knows he served Lexa. She asks for him now to believe in her. And at that point, the soldier kneels and calls her Hedda. So this scene was particularly exciting for me because we finally get to see the flame in action. Mm -hmm. Like with Lexa, we never knew her without the flame. So seeing this kind of change in Maddie and showing us what the flame really gives to a person um, was so cool. It was. And it was it felt like a, like the final piece of that puzzle was like put into place. It was really, really great to see. And I like that Lexa was the first commander to make an appearance like that just seemed very fitting. to me. It was fitting. But also, I think, you know, she's the one that this guy served. Um, yes. She was the most recent yes. one. So I think that obviously makes the most sense um now that we have the flame in maddie which is something that i hoped would never happen but i am now coming to terms with and actually starting to like i wanted to propose my exciting new idea oh god what you've heard this idea have i yeah you, you have, have a lot of um ideas. i do have a lot of ideas but i think that we know we know Elegius three is in some way going to come into play at the end of season at the end of the season i don't know in what way I've put forward theories. I'm not going to theorize about that now. But I wasn't sure how they would find out about Allegius 3. Oh, yes. I do remember this. Yeah. So now I feel like they're going to find out through Maddie, through the flame. Because the flame was created by Becca. She, I'm sure, knew about the Allegius missions. Or at least she could. The showrunners could easily, you know, tie that in. Um, And that would be something they could, you know... They could riff off of that, of her, like, giving them this reveal on whatever way this reveal takes form. Um, and it would all make sense to me. So that's what I'm hoping now. Yeah, I love that idea. I think it's great. Um, so great. So, yeah. I love that idea. Uh, and Maddie is amazing. She's an amazing actor. She is. She's a great actor. And I, like, seeing this transition in her from, like, sweet little Maddie to this, like, commanding woman with presence Mm -hmm. I mean look at this little actor go (laughs) look at her she's so good she's like both so cute and has such charisma and like presence yeah love it I can't imagine anyone else being Maddie I know we had another Maddie yeah but at this point like I can only see Lola (laughs) before the soldier can do anything else Clark shoots him Maddie is upset but Clark says Maddie knows why she had to do that Maddie then tells her that if she runs, Gaia, Indra, Bellamy, they'll all die. But Clark says they made their choice. So, like, here's the thing. I have really rationalized all of this throughout the episode. And I can understand at this point that Clark has to get Maddie to safety. But I still have a hard time processing the fact that Clark just leaves Bellamy to die. I guess if you can, like, look at it as a choice between Bellamy and Maddie, like a binary choice in that way, she'd obviously choose Maddie. Maddie's her child. But it still, you know, hurts me that the old Clark would have found a way to save them both. I can't believe she left them to die. I can't believe it. I'm having a really hard time believe it. I mean, I can believe she left Indra and Gaia to die. Like, no, I mean, in a heartbeat. Bellamy. But Bellamy is, like, it's hard. I cannot believe she left him to die. But like I said, I, I really do think he broke her in this episode. And he broke 
he shattered her idea of what he was in those six years to and, her. And their, like... And their relationship Connection together. to yeah. each other. It's, like, gone. Yeah. She, like, can't... I can't... I think she can't even bear to think of him. Yeah. Um... And when I watched this for the first time, you know, I thought Clark murdering this man who had just surrendered in cold blood would be, like, the most bone-chilling thing. But no, it was leaving Bellamy to die. She's an ice queen. I mean, I honestly didn't find that to be very chilling. I, like, understood that she can't have someone know that Maddie is, like, a commander-commander, you know? Like, she wants to... I you can rationalize it. It's still murder. It is murder, but, like, at this point, Clark has killed so many people. Like, this is, like, the like this guy was about to kill her, you know? I like, know. I don't feel bad for this guy. I don't feel bad for him. I just... He was about to murder a child, so... <laughs> just... Even though he changed his mind, doesn't stop the fact that he was about to kill a girl, so... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Bellamy, Indra, and Gaia are all tied up in the arena. Octavia comes in and tells the Gathered One crew that Maddie did not recite the lineage and is therefore not the true commander. Instead, she abandoned them and now is just another enemy of One crew to be dealt with. But first, they have a war to win. Some of One crew cheer for her, but notably, a large part of One crew does not. Octavia sits on her throne and meets Bellamy's eyes, and once the doors close on her and she's alone, she begins to cry. Wow. I mean, I will say, like like I said, after everything she's done, I still feel for her. And that, that single tear and, and her face at the end of this episode was such a powerful ending. It was. And it was a huge relief to see her cry. I mean, I was just so relieved that there's still some part of her that is alive, you know? Yeah. Even if she doesn't recognize it in herself, there is a kernel of something human in there. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, thank God. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, honestly, like, I didn't know if there was anything left, but there is. It's tiny. It's there, though. It's like the Grinch-sized <laughs> heart. Yep. But it's there. Um, and I guess we'll kind of see what happens from this point. But from right now, it really does seem like two of the three of them, you know, Bellamy, Gaia, and Indra, will die. What? Yeah. Someone is dying. And this is the hundred, and I very, very, very clearly remember uh, Die All Die Merrily last season. Yeah. When, like, all my faves died at once. <laughs> so. Oh, God. Uh, so that's that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. So that was the episode. Let's jump into some of our discussion points. Um, first, we're going to go into this new section that we're doing where we briefly talk about um, how the title relates to different aspects of this episode. So just to reiterate, the title of this episode is Six Semper Tyrannis, um, which is Latin for thus always to tyrants, which means that tyrants will get their comeuppance or their due. Um, so there's just a few, a few characters that I want to sort of relate this back to. And the first is McCreary. And I think, you know, looking at this phrase, this is like the most superficial meaning that I can extrapolate, which is we know his tyrannical goals um, in this season. And we know that eventually they will become his downfall. I mean, his ambition is extreme. He is merciless. Um, and there's really no good outcome for him that I can see mm-hmm. for this show. I mean, he is going to get his due immediately. So I think that's like, you know, a very superficial reading of this. Of course, the the main tyrant of this show <laughs> is Octavia. And I think Octavia is a fascinating tyrant because she feels totally justified in her actions because they're supposedly for the good of her people like we were talking about she didn't choose this for herself everything she's done is to save them and keep everyone alive and it's in a direction that she's been led into from other people like she didn't walk this path herself people have pushed her on this path pushed her um so 
I think because she wasn't alone and because she didn't originally choose this position of power I think that is part of what makes her one crew people so loyal to her and I think that's also part of the reason why this coup that Bellamy and Inger try to to do ultimately fails is because while she is a tyrant she's she's a tyrant in a really interesting way yeah um and she's not purely evil and she there is like we were just talking about there is good in her and her intentions started out pure I really do think even through all of this that she wants what's best for her people but at this point she's blinded by any other options except getting to the valley and getting her people to the valley like that is in her mind what's best for her people and whatever it takes to get there is what she needs to do work yeah and so the last um person that I want to just briefly touch on is Dioza of course because I think she's a tyrant in like the barest sense of the word. It's really just the military training in her that's instilled the sense of hierarchy and power. And the fact that she's right about everything really, (laughs) she should be in power. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that she deserves to be in power. And then also maybe she, you know, this is why she gets so easily overthrown is because she's not a tyrant. And she's very democratic (laughs) In in a world of very, very extreme people um so I I really like this idea of all these like sort of different variations on the word tyrant um and how everyone is sort of getting their due in really different ways that works for their character I think it's a really interesting use of this phrase agreed (laughs) okay I'm gonna be done with that now okay uh let's move on to favorite lines yes what was yours my favorite line of course <laughs> was this is my masterpiece <laughs> murphy is a star and i needed him so badly in this episode and this line i felt it when he was doing it i was like god this is murphy on his <laughs> working his magic i mean he's just so good at it and then he like recognized it <laughs> and i love seeing him embrace himself and feel good again He's had a really rough season. Yeah. And I, I miss him. I miss, I, I mean, this, I mean, this is we're him. We're back. <laughs> I kind of, you know, throughout this whole episode when we were recapping, I kept being like, oh, that's my favorite line. Oh, that's my favorite line. It's true. She and they were like, like five times. they were all Murphys. They were. They were. <laughs> so so there what were, did you decide? There were some amazing lines this episode that weren't Murphy, but Murphy was such a shining star that my favorite line was, whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way he delivered it was comedic gold. It was so good. And such a breath of fresh air yeah. in an otherwise very dreary episode yeah what was your favorite scene well again there were a ton of great scenes in this episode but I honestly have to go with Dioza kicking ass and taking names oh I loved that like it just it just you know I I I am obsessed with her everything she does I am obsessed I was very scared of her being pregnant in that scene I was too and like dear god she just also the physicality of of oh shoot what's her name Ivana Milovic or however you say her last name (laughs) Um, she's really pregnant in real yeah. life. She had to like do, I mean, I know they have a stunt double, but like some of that stuff, she definitely had to do herself. Yeah. There's a lot of physical acting to be doing when you're that pregnant. Well, she's an amazing actor and she's been in, you know, a lot of sci-fi shows. So I think this is something that she's used to. And yes, yeah, she course. probably wasn't pregnant before. I'm but sure <laughs> it's safe. Absolutely. But still, that's really Yeah. Impressive. I mean, it just, it just adds to her badassery. It's very <laughs> impressive. I don't think I could do that. Um... 
my favorite scene um, was actually Indra and Octavia's conversation um, when Octavia wakes up. I have been waiting for that sort of honest conversation for so long, and I thought they did it beautifully. I loved that, too. It was so powerful and really cathartic and heartbreaking. It was a lovely scene. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Really, every scene with Indra this uh, episode She's my MVP. Lovely. I love her. Uh, the next episode is episode 510, The Warrior's Will. In this episode, Monty tries to show one crew an alternative to war, and meanwhile, Abby's health continues to deteriorate along with McCreary's patience. Um, so I won't theorize because we've actually already seen it, but that is, <laughs> that's what is coming next. Um, I also have to say, we are going to try to catch up with episodes 10 and 11 next week. Um, but because Britt is gone again this weekend, it's again. It's true. It's true. We will probably be late for episode 12 as well. Um, but we will be on time for the finale. 100%. We will if put out. If I have out- to take some sick days from work, <laughs> I will do it. Um, I am so sorry. It's all my fault. Yeah. So uh, we're going to bust our butts um, and do as much as we can we next week. We made a schedule that we're sticking to. We're not to. sticking to because that is a week schedule and pushing up the timeline. I haven't told you that, but I am. <laughs> She's driving me to I am. She's driving mush, me to the mush. brink. <laughs> Working me to the bone. Okay, that's our episode. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can. You can email us at skycastcrew at gmail.com. That's S-K-A-I-C-A-S-T-K-R-U at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at skycast. And you can tweet at us at our own Twitter accounts. I am at bperlman89. And I'm at Sarah R. McCabe. So thank you for joining us once again on Skycast. We know we're behind, but we are catching up as fast as humanly possible. Until next time. Bye-bye. Maybe meet again.